Hey, it's Pastor Mike. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to encourage you to check out our other Time of Grace podcasts, like this one, The Non-Microwave Truth by C.L. Whiteside. C.L. just has an amazing way to bring fresh perspective to some of my favorite passages from the Bible. You can search for The Non-Microwave Truth wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And now on to today's episode. If you would say, hey, hey, when I turn this program on TV, if I found this online, if I came here to church, I don't know if I ex- exactly believe that, it is not too late for you to be saved. Believe in the only name that can save you, the one who came down from heaven, whose love is like a mighty flood. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. It is a free gift by grace. You can be saved, just like me, just like Paul, just like them. Uh, there's a Bible right next to my laptop in my office. Uh, I got it back in 2003, so just before I, I said I do and got married. And if you could somehow page through this, this Bible after church, uh, you would find some pages that look, you know, not brand new, but pretty new. Like maybe I've read them three or four times, but not too many, like a bunch of the stuff in Leviticus. Maybe, you know, I've read it, but I haven't spent much time in it. And then there's other pages like in the book of Romans or in John chapter 3 that you could tell that they're pretty worn and crinkled. I've I've turned there for counseling sessions and Bible classes. That if somehow someone stole your Bible and they were going to throw it into the fire and you could only grab one page and and rip it out before the tragedy happened, you might choose this one. But actually, before I open it, I want to warn you. Um, This page of the Bible is not like uh, one of those kids ride at a local amusement park. You have little ladybugs that kind of go like this up and down. A little two-year-old gets in it and giggles. Uh, This isn't that kind of part of the Bible. Uh, In this part of the Bible, the Apostle Paul is going to give us a good square punch right in the throat. And as we're gasping and maybe doubled over, he's going to elbow us in the back of the head. And when you collapse to the ground, he's going to look at you and just kick you once in the the small of the back and you're going to wince in pain. You're going to kind of hate it a little bit. You're going to say, well, this is depressing. And why am I watching this? And why did I come to church today? And then just when you think it's worthless, the Apostle Paul is going to lean over, give you a hand, help you up, give you a hug. And then he's going to strap this rocket pack to your back and he's going to push the green button. <laughs> and he's going to launch you off into the most amazing, life, life-changing, that is so incredible. I'm so glad I'm in church today. I'm, I'm so glad I'm watching this at home. Yeah, it's going to be that kind of journey. So you up for that? Well, you're here, so it's going to happen. So here... Ladies and gentlemen, it is one of the best chapters in the Bible. It's called Ephesians chapter 2. And here's how it begins. The Apostle Paul says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work, in those who are disobedient. Uh, Almost every Saturday night in our house, uh, our family cooks dinner together. Uh, We pick a favorite movie. We pile up like cave people on the couch downstairs and uh, we watch something fun. But recently, my wife and I have decided we really need to introduce our daughters, who are almost 12 and 13, to some of the classics of American cinema. Tommy Boy, Anchorman, (laughs) 
Billy Madison, happy, you know, the stuff that we grew up with in the 80s and 90s, the stuff we could quote like in our sleep that we watched constantly when we were in high school. And so we, we keep picking these movies saying, oh, you girls, you're going to love this, man. Mom and dad can quote every line from this. Um, but, but something keeps happening when we watch those movies from back in the day. Um, parents, has this ever happened to you? It's like I'm sitting here and Kim's sitting there and the girls are slouched down in between us. And there are times during the movies when I look over at Kim and the expression on my face says, are we bad parents? <laughs> hey, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh, I didn't remember that part. And oh, I forgot about that language. You know what? And maybe some of it, we get it. There are swear words we forget about. There are sexual innuendos that just went over your head when you were 13. But actually, what's really, really, really bothered me about those movies from the 80s is the way that things used to be. I think what's really struck me about it is the way that we used to speak both to and about women. This isn't like the 7th century AD. This was my childhood. And the way that we just assumed that you could speak about women, I can guarantee you Hollywood would not make a movie like that today. But I'll tell you what, when I was a kid, no one said, it's just the way that things were. You know, people made fun of a woman's intelligence or strength or abilities or ability to drive a car, all, all kinds of things, right? We would say things and, and do things, and it wasn't like abnormally wrong. It was just kind of the way the world was. And now looking back, we say, oh, wow. For some of you, that's ever happened with your grandparents in race? Like, it wasn't that long ago that the things we would say about people from other nations, other cultures, who, for whom English wasn't their first language, like, it was, it was rough. It was really bad. But, but lots of people who were doing such obviously racist things, they didn't think it was that bad in the moment. It was just the way things were. And that's what Paul is saying. Um, you know, it's not like you have to be a serial killer. It's not like you have to be Hitler. He said, friends, you were dead in sin because you followed the ways of the world. God wanted you to live like this, but they were living like that. And when you followed them, you ended up in a spot that was very, very, very far from God. Uh, last night, I went out to dinner at a Thai restaurant. And I wonder if I saw a little bit of the ways of this world. Um, apparently, the kitchen was very, very short-staffed. Um, the food was simply incredible, but it took two hours for our entree to come out. Uh, three or four years ago, my wife and I got to go to Thailand, and we learned in Thailand that there is one thing you never, ever, 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 ever do. You never embarrass someone in public. To the Thai people, to yell at someone in public where others can hear is so shameful, it's so wrong, it, it is simply so evil that they call Thailand the land of smiles because even if you're super frustrated, you would never say it. But in America, <laughs> do you know what happened in the restaurant as 30 minutes turned into 60, 60 turned into 90, 
and 90 turned into 120? The white people got angry. I need to speak to you. One gentleman said, so the whole restaurant could hear. And the waitress sheepishly took his venom, right? Because it's America. We have rights. We we have expectations. We we can say what we want. We we don't have to stuff this down. I'm sitting there honestly struggling myself. I'm repeating Bible passages in my head. Love is patient. Love is patient. Love is patient. Love is patient. I got up at one point. My wife thought I was going to go at it. I just went to the bathroom and said, love is patient. Love is patient. You're you're a pastor. And, you know, I I think about that. Like every culture, right, there's just a way that things are. And I just wonder what things are in this culture that can take us step by step far away from God. But that, that's just the punch to the throat. Now Paul drops the elbow on the head. Here's what he says in verse 3. He says, all of us, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. If you're kind of new to the Bible, this is stunning. Um, The Ephesian people uh, lived in a city where sexual immorality was rampant. Um, the, The goddess of Ephesus was a Greek goddess named Artemis. She was the fertility goddess, and so prostitution, orgies, adultery, drunkenness, that's just kind of how things were in Greek cities. But when Paul says, you know what? I was in the same spot as you were. He says, all of us also lived among them at one time. And Paul was a pretty squeaky clean, church going, praying every day, never miss a service, reading his Old Testament kind of guy. So when he says, yeah, me and my people, we were dead too? You say, wait, really? And Paul explains himself. He talks about the flesh. Um, It's kind of a fancy Bible word that refers to that thing within you that doesn't always agree with God. Uh, I bet you fought your flesh as often as I fought mine. Right? It's a little kid that you say, be nice. Share your toys with your brother. But I had them first. But it's my turn. But I, but I. Or you open that page in the Bible that says, children, obey your parents. Honor your father and mother. Don't roll your eyes. Don't talk back. Don't frustrate them with everything you do. Don't dig in your heels. But, but I, but I don't like curfew. But, but I don't like the chores. But I don't like the rules. But I. And God says on the second page of the Bible, a man shall leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and then the two will become one flesh. Sex was God's idea, but it's a gift that is only given to one man and one woman who've made the commitment of marriage. But I don't agree with that. But I think we're in love. But but I think marriage is just a piece of paper. But I have desires. but, But I have needs but I have cravings, but I. Um, Ephesians 4 says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up, that it may benefit those who listen. But I've been waiting for an hour and a half for my 
had tie. But I didn't like the government, but I didn't vote for him, but I don't agree with that. It's like God says all this stuff and something within us just fights it. And we don't agree with it. And Paul says, I I get it. But that'll kill you. And that's why he kicks us. At the end of verse 3, Paul says this, Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Friends, left to ourselves, you and I would be in so much trouble. And you can spend your whole life pushing back on that. Ah, but that's just the church, right? That's just some overreaction. That's just some fire and brimstone, pound in the pulpit, hell talk. Uh, You can think that. But but Paul was very close to God. And he knew the truth and, and Jesus said the exact same thing. By nature, we were deserving of God's wrath. But thank God for grammar. Let's do a quick survey. Uh, how many of you, when you were in school, loved, loved, loved English grammar class? I got one. I got one and a half. All right, that's better than the last service. <laughs> one half. You actually should adore grammar right now. Uh, look at the passage behind me for a second. Anyone notice the verb that Paul used? Yeah, he said were. He didn't say you and I are deserving of wrath. And back at the start of Ephesians 2, he didn't say my friends, you are dead in transgressions and sins. Instead, he said were. You were This was your situation. In the past, this is where you were. But then something happened. Then this happened. Uh, There are two words that my family loves. Um, Two words that we love so much, we actually found this little piece of art that hangs in my mother-in-law's home. Uh, Back in 2017, uh, my wife's father was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And the doctor said he had six, probably 12, maybe if he was blessed, 18 months left to live. And it, it turns out he got 17 days. Uh, after he passed, uh, I get to stand in uh, our North Campus church and preach a sermon to my grieving mother-in-law, uh, to my grieving wife. And I decided for the theme of that sermon to be just two words. There were two words that I was speaking from the Bible the moment that Wayne passed from this life to the next. Those two words weren't, but they, that's what the world says. And they weren't, but I, that's what the flesh says. Those two words were, but God. But God. And that's exactly what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. We were dead. We were deserving of wrath. We had a problem and you and I could not fix it. But God. (laughs) 
Check out what Paul says starting in verse 4. He says, but God, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. God looked at the Ephesians with all their brokenness, their sexual sin. He looked at Paul with all of his pride and struggles with the flesh. But God loved and did something to change the situation. He was dead, but God made him alive. Like he should have been over here while a glorious God was over here and Jesus did this. And Paul should have been dead and in the grave and God should have been in heaven, but he raised him up and did this. And Jesus should have been here celebrating with the saints and angels and Paul should have been seated way over here in a dark corner. But God did this. And the death and the distance and the loneliness and the hopelessness, he changed all of it. Man, I, I, I get why someone would write hundreds of pages about these words, but here's my favorite line. God seated us with Jesus. Have you ever had a seat right next to someone who is very, very interesting? Uh, as a pastor, I get to go to a lot of weddings. And sometimes I know a lot of people at the weddings, but it's, it's pretty common where I only know like the couple from church and their family members and friends and college roommates. I, I have no clue. So it's kind of difficult for the couple to know where to put me and my wife at a wedding. Um, sometimes I've sat like next to the parents at a place of honor. He's the pastor. Should we put him there? I don't know. Let's put him there. <laughs> and sometimes they put me at the random table. Have you ever had to sit at the random table at a wedding? <laughs> it's like, well, like, who do they fit with? The second cousins? I don't know. I'm like my mom's friends. <laughs> so it's like table 37 in the corner. They always forget to refill the fried chicken. It's like way back. In the... <laughs> but you catch what Paul said in Ephesians 2? Because God is so great in his love and so rich in his mercy, he seated us with Jesus. Do you know where Jesus sits at the wedding feast of heaven? At the head table. Do you know who sits with him? His bride. Christians are sometimes called the bride of Christ. And I've been to a lot of weddings and here's what I know. The bride always gets as much fried chicken as she wants. <laughs> She gets the best food, the warmest food, the special champagne. When, when you are sitting in a place that important, you are so, so blessed. And, and that's what Paul's saying about us. If we believe in Jesus, we're not dead. We're not deserving of wrath. We, we were, but that's not what we are. We get to live every single day knowing, but God is right here. But, but Jesus is in my midst. But, but I have a purpose. I'm loved God, God feels for my situation and he's going to help get me through it. But God. The world would say, but they, the flesh says, but I. And Paul says, here's the Christian faith, but God, but God. There's a word for all of this. The word is saved. Like we were in a very dangerous situation. If we would have died without believing in Jesus, wrath would have been it. But God, he rescued us from all of it. 
So if you're taking notes in your program today, if you're taking notes at home, I'd love for you to write this down. The word saved in the Bible simply means this, rescued from danger. Rescued from danger. The thought of having died without Jesus is terrifying. But he saved us. And if that's new news to you, if you would say, hey, hey, when I turn this program on TV, if I found this online, if I came here to church, I don't know if I ex- exactly believe that, it is not too late for you to be saved. Believe in the only name that can save you, the one who came down from heaven, whose love is like a mighty flood. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. It is a free gift by grace. You can be saved, just like me, just like Paul, just like them. It makes me think of what happened down in Chile about a decade ago. Didn't you remember this story? Uh, there were 33 miners who were working underground when at a very tragic and dangerous moment, the mine collapsed and they were stuck. And they were fairly strong men, fairly capable men, but there was a half mile between them and the light, between them and love, between them and their family. They could do nothing to fix their situation. They estimated that they had between two and three days worth of full meals in reserves. But 68 days later, they were still stuck in the darkness. But then, on day 69, saved. It took the Chilean government, NASA, and $20 million of donations to create a device that they called the Phoenix. Remember the bird that dies and comes back to life? The drill went all the way down a half mile into the earth. A little capsule came down. A single door opened. And if a man stepped inside that capsule, he would be raised from the darkness into the light. And one by one by one, men who were in grave danger were rescued. They were saved. And man, you didn't have to be there. Just Google the images and and feel the emotion of that moment. A picture like this. One guy got out and total strangers embraced him and loved him. One man saw his wife for the first time in over two months and he held on to her like he was never going to let her go. One grandpa got down on one knee as his grandkids came running towards him. Saved. But something even more interesting happened four months after that. The Israeli Ministry of Tourism offered all 33 men a free, all-expense-paid trip to Israel. A bunch of them went. And they toured the place where Jesus was born, where he lived. And then they got to the spot where he died and where he rose. And I wonder what they felt. Like, as men who knew what it was like to be so close to the unthinkable, but then, in a day, saved. It's probably what the early Christians felt when Jesus was dead and gone, buried in a dark tomb, and then, on a single Sunday, saved. And it's probably what people like us feel 
when we bring another load of the flesh, another load of sins into church, and we look up at the cross and we realize, I'm not dead. I'm not gone. I sinned. I messed up. I strayed. But God, but God saves. Thank God for that. Let's pray. Oh, God, we love you, but you love us more. <laughs> uh, we love you, but you loved us first. You are worthy of our love and we are not worthy of yours. But God, you didn't let that stop you. Uh, thank you, Heavenly Father, for being yourself. There is no one else in the universe who is like you. Uh, years ago, when the children of Israel were stuck, you turned the Red Sea into a highway and they were saved. 2,000 years ago, when the disciples were, were lost and desperate, you changed that grave into an empty tomb and they were saved. And every one of us who believes in the name of Jesus, we turn from death to life. We are blind, but now we see we were in such danger, but no more. We are saved. And I pray, God, for, for everyone here who hasn't believed that just yet. If you're dead in sin, you can't fix your own situation. So save them, Father, with the gift of faith. And for all of us who believe by your grace and through faith, I ask Heavenly Father that you would help us to hold on to that. To believe that we are not what we were. We may still struggle with this world and with our flesh, but we have a brand new identity. We are yours and we get to do life with Jesus. What, what a gift that is. So open our eyes to see that. Open our heart to feel that. That we might truly rejoice in this beautifully loaded word, saved. I thank you, God, for Ephesians 2. You could have skipped that when you inspired the Bible, but you didn't, and we are so grateful for it. We praise you today, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Pop quiz What did Jesus talk about the most? I'll give you three seconds to answer. <laughs> did you say love or forgiveness? Maybe heaven? If so, you are absolutely wrong. <laughs> the correct answer to my pop quiz is the kingdom of God. Okay, here's a bigger question. Do you know what that means? The kingdom of God? The kingdom of God, Jesus' number one teaching, is the place where God has the ultimate authority and he provides eternal safety. We might say it this way, it's the heart where Jesus is both Lord and Savior. Authority and safety, that is the kingdom of God. And to be honest, I never knew that. I read that phrase in my Bible for so many years without slowing down to think exactly what those words meant. But now once I figured it out, I'll never forget it. Sometimes we just have to slow down to fire up our faith. And that's why I want you to have this brand new book called 30 Words to Fire Up Your Faith. You probably heard of words like blessed or grace, maybe even fancy churchy ones like atonement. But have you ever slowed down long enough to figure out what they mean? In this book, which is a unique combination of devotions on scripture and activities like puzzles and fill in the blanks and drawings, we're going to go deep into some of the Bible's biggest words. And you're going to find out just like I did that when we slow down to understand what the scripture is actually saying, God does great things for our faith. 30 Words to Fire Up Your Faith is our way of thanking you for your financial support. Request yours when you give by calling 800 661 
3311, visit timeofgrace.org, write us at P.O. Box 301, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53201, or text TIME to 313131 to give today. Time of Grace doesn't end here. Visit timeofgrace.org and explore encouraging resources or sign up for a daily email and have everything delivered right to your inbox. Like our Grace Moments devotions, Grace Talks devotional videos, blog, and podcasts. Follow us on social media where you'll find a supportive Christian community. If you need prayer, give us a call and let us know what's on your heart. Thank you so much for your support. See you next week on Time of Grace.